views on police brutality with that line in the song quote and we hate the popo want to kill us in the street for show ah please oh i don't like it i got i got i got i got loyalty got royalty inside my dna quarter piece got war and peace inside my dna i got power poison pain and joy inside my dna i got hustle though ambition flow inside my dna Yoshi, what new weapon? I don't contemplate. I meditate. Then off your, off your head. This that put the kids to bed. This that I got, I got, I got. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Jeff and I's new show, Kicking It with Kendrick, episode one, where we are discussing everything we love about uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Jeff, what do you think of Kendrick Lamar? Well, this is actually kind of interesting because this is our very first episode of a podcast dedicated to Kendrick Lamar. And not only are we starting with his last album, or I guess arguably, but also this is uh, this is my first time, like, I mean, I've heard Kendrick Lamar before, but this is my first time, like, listening to a full album and, like, trying to review it. So um, it's kind of my first, it's kind of my intro to Kendrick Lamar. And I gotta say, I love this album a lot, actually. It's really, really good. Which is not a controversial opinion. Everyone thinks this album is great. So, I mean, there we go. Not exactly a hot take. Damn is the album we're reviewing. And it's, I don't know if you said that right. And it, it was coming off the heels of To Pimp a Butterfly, which was really Kendrick's, a lot of it considered like his, was it Magnum Opus? Magnus Opus? Mag- Magnum Opus. Magnum Opus. The ma- like his masterpiece. Uh, and I think like, and he won a ton of, got nominated for like a ton of Grammys. I think it was like 11 or something like that. And he won a ton of them. Um, and I think a lot of people were just thinking like, how is Kendrick going to top this? And then kind of it, in a relatively short amount of time, two years, because I mean, it's been a long time since a lot since Damn came out. Mm-hmm. So like two years and two years he made Damn. I don't I don't think it's what people expected, if that makes sense, which I like because it is very different from To Pimp a Butterfly, not just in terms of sound, but in terms of like uh, structure and like, I'd say the themes are very like a lot less clear than To Pimp a Butterfly, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a very interpretable album from what I can tell. Well, how do you, how, how would you interpret this album? <laughs> Maybe that's a really heavy question right away. That is a heavy question. Like... Well, okay, so Damn is like, I don't know, when I, when I see Damn, because it's like, you got the album cover and it's in capital letters, right? It's, it's a very bold mm-hmm. Damn, if that makes sense. And whether, I don't really know what the Damn is, ref- like Damn is in like, Damn, this is like, Damn, I think potentially could be about sin, if that makes sense, and hell, because mm-hmm. we have this track list, and all, all of these track list uh, names are one word for the most part, I think, unless there's a featuring, obviously. They're all one word, they're all in capital letters, and they all end with a period, which, yeah. I mean, if nothing like, else, it's a really cool artistic choice. Like the Damn on the cover also has a period. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we have like a lot like pride, uh, lust fear it like like i don't know how many of the seven sins are actually here but like just two just two okay but it feels like i don't know it feels very it feels very like these are kind of the feelings that are affecting his life right now and he's like he's Mm -hmm. living a damned life if that makes sense the color of the album is red too that makes sense Mm -hmm. i think that adds to it 
yeah all of these uh all the tracks are like just the just the title is like a huge concept just by itself like there's one track that's called blood it's not like anything more than that it's just blood and so you know at a certain at a certain level it's like this you know to some degree this song is the concept of blood element pride whatever well and listening to that track too blood is a really because it's not really a song it's like a spoken word poetic like poetry almost if that makes sense Mm -hmm. over a really soft beat he's hot he's telling a story about at the end of the story some he sees an old lady who was blind who was trying to cross the street or something like that with her groceries and then he says can i help you and then she shoots him or something like that right say that last part again and then she shoots him i think that's how it goes oh or he gets shot by someone and i think that's a commentary on i think lady justice is supposed to be blind right justice is blind blah 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 Mm -hmm. so he's a victim of justice almost if that makes sense and it's almost like this whole so like i think he dies or he maybe he dies there and then the, the album is just kind of like his journey through like maybe is it like I don't know, man. It's a lot. I'm trying to think. It's it's interesting, too, that you say that, though. Because, like, this album, the first track is Blood, and the last track is Duckworth. But mm-hmm. um, when you hear Kendrick talk about it, this, tra- this album is supposed to be listened to in reverse track list order. And, like, Duckworth is probably the most autobiographical of those songs. At least it's the most obviously so, because it's, mm-hmm. like, just about him and basically him and his cousin and his niece. Yeah. So like he's talking about literally just what's going on in his life at that time. And then at the very end in Blood, you say he dies. And like that's the technically that's the end of the album. If you listen to it in the intended track order. Kind of. Well, yeah, but I guess you could also see it as like because, you know, that that feeling when like or that they say like you die and then your life flashes before you or whatever. So like that could be kind of part of it. Yeah. So it's like if you listen to it in the actual track order, you know, it's he dies and then there's his entire life is the rest of the album. If you listen to it in the intended track order, it's just the opposite way around. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why it kind of works both ways. This album works on a lot of levels. It does. And that's what's cool. I love the transition between Blood and DNA where he samples Mm -hmm. like the news. It's like the Fox News uh, article or like they're talking about Kendrick, right? In his lyrics or something like that. Oh, I don't like it. I believe it's Gerardo Riviera who's talking about... I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is on Fox News. He's talking about some performance that Kendrick did. I just I just saw it on Wikipedia a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just Fox News hosts talking about, I don't know, I guess they didn't much care for Kendrick Lamar or something. Apparently. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but yeah, that transition with the sampling of the, the news track into DNA was really cool. Uh, especially because they, sam- they also sample... The news track again during the song or something right like it was like a brief i think so like a bridge or something like that um i thought it that might come really up cool. later in the album too because blood is a really calming song it's, it's like almost not even a song if that makes sense and then going from that yeah. to dna is just like like the album like comes to life if that makes sense and like gives it a lot yeah. of energy dna is like a lot harsher and i really like it i think dna it's probably like my second or third favorite song off this album yeah, I, I think that, like, Blood Into DNA is a really, really strong album opener. Because, like, you get that little intro track that sort of talks about what, 
you know, probably talks about the themes of the album. And then DNA is just like, how do I say this? I mean, it's a banger. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a banger. And like, it, it feels like, well, like, I think that's a th- the thing with this is that like, I feel like DNA is like, it's not as lyrically deep as like a lot of Kendrick's other stuff from previous projects, if that makes sense. Oh, I was going to say that's shocking to hear because D- there's a lot going on in DNA. In the there's lyrics. a lot in it, right? But a lot of some of it's kind of like Kendrick's flexing, if that makes sense too, right? Like you yeah. could see it as more of a relatively more of like, like you said, a banger, right? Like the, mm-hmm. it's a casual, like a, a usual rap banger. But, but I think like the way it kind of fits in with the entire vibe of the album, as well as like, you know, the, the new segment stuff, it really like, brings it up more if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's kind of like i like i like how this time it feels like in this album in general it feels like more kendrick's putting stuff emotions out there and then letting people decide what that means rather than like i feel like in other records it was a lot more straightforward if that makes sense and you could definitely tell mm-hmm. like what he was trying to say with it i think i was saying just before we started recording i've listened to this album probably probably four or five times, like with different song orderings and stuff. And I was hoping I would have more to say about it. And I definitely do have a lot to say about it. But like, after listening to this album only four or five times, I don't feel like I have experienced everything this album has to to offer yet. There's so much here. Yeah, there's a lot. But yeah, but there's like... I think despite that, because like I don't, you don't really need to understand it to enjoy it too, because it's very, it's much more poppy than a lot of his earlier stuff too. Like if you look at yeah. Elements, Loyalty with Rihanna, Love with with Zachary, like those are very pop heavy tracks, if that makes sense, or relatively pop heavy. And even Humble and DNA, like they're not exactly you know mellow and poppy in the same way, but those are also like you could just listen to those on repeat they're yeah they're really catchy. catchy yeah exactly yeah. and that's why i think this was like this kind of feels like his nah, i want to say victory because it feels like he if like he proved himself critically right and then this was mm-hmm. sort of like his way of obviously it's deeper than i think a lot of people think but also it it was a way of making catchier music that would really propel him to one of the most popular icons in the music industry at the moment right like a lot of these like and kendrick sings a lot on the album too surprisingly he does some really cool stuff with his voice that i wasn't expecting like in i think it's love love he has a he he does he sings uh some of the chorus i think it's actually really good stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah did did you have any uh whatever the track is with u2 xxx like i think that's mostly him rapping and like mostly just u2 singing but i think he sings a lot in that one too that's a really weird track actually it is like it has that beat switch halfway through right yeah, um, yeah. Like, it's like really intense and then and then it cuts and then like it's like really slow paced and you have the you have you two who's the guy that leads is it bon bono? bono yeah bono okay yeah i don't remember what his last name is maybe he doesn't have one yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he and then bono kind of takes over and has like and then it like slows down a lot and gets a little more introspective mm-hmm. well how do, how do you feel like what, do you have like a favorite song here over like it's definitely humble for me. DNA is a close oh. second, though. Oh, why, why do you like humble? Just because it's like catchy and like it's really catchy. I really, really yeah. like the beat for humble. Yeah, it's so. And it's like say, it's not even. It's it's relatively simple too, right? Like it's just yeah, like the piano and and like a drum drum loop. Mm-hmm. I think actually, like the the thing I like about the beat for humble. Well, I mean, I like 
I like humble and DNA because they sound a little more aggressive and like that's the kind of music I like typically. Hum- humble is way catchier. That's that's probably why. I mean, humble is definitely my favorite here. But uh, with DNA, I think I like the beat for DNA better because it's just super chaotic. I think for DNA, uh, I know for one of these tracks, I think it was DNA. Kendrick was working with his producer and like he, I think he rapped it first and then told the producer to make the beat around his rap so that it sounded like super weird and chaotic. And like it works really well on DNA. I don't think that's what happened with Humble. But like, I guess if it happened, if that was Humble that I'm thinking of, it works really well there, except with Humble, it's like, with Humble, it seems too deliberate. Like it's, it's, it's too perfect for that to have been the case with Humble, I think. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's cool. I, yeah, Kendrick has a really cool way of making, like, I, well, I guess because he, he doesn't really produce, right? So like, yeah, it makes sense that sometimes he, he'd have the bars before a beat comes in. But um, I feel like that's like, a lot of rappers don't do that. Um, that might be what makes his a lot of his tracks like pretty unique, if that makes sense. Well, like I'm saying, this was, or like I said, this is my first time like really listening to Kendrick, but I've listened to like some Kanye before, and Kanye mm-hmm. is like kind of the opposite because Kanye is mostly a producer. He does, he can do everything, but like he's more a producer than he is a rapper, I would say. Am I? No, like, yeah, mostly right. Yeah, okay. He's mostly known for that. So like. On this album, it's it's almost entirely Kendrick, and he's got some features, but, like, the features really are just there to back him up, where on Kanye albums, like, Kanye is still the star, but it's Kanye's, like, beats and Kanye's instrumentals, and the features are, like, the people actually coming in and doing... They're doing a lot more, is what I want to say. Not there, not not to take away from Kanye here, but yeah, Kendrick. The features here are very sparse, and they're used effectively. Like they're used really well, mm-hmm. but they never overshadow Kendrick in any way. Like I, I feel like you could potentially take the features out, and the album would still be like really, really good, and the songs would still be really, really good. It's just like yeah. it adds it adds a lot to it, you know. Like I, I love Rihanna on, on Loyalty, right? But like, yeah, it didn't like need her, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And not to take away from Rihanna and Zachary and Bono here, like they yeah. add to the songs a lot. But like, if Kendrick decided that he didn't want to get Bono, and he wanted to get someone else, I feel like XXX would still be good. Not only would it still be good, it would be it, like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change the quality that much to have someone else instead of Bono be the feature there. I'm surprised. I'm still kind of surprised that you two was on a Kendrick Lamar. I, so am I. It's pretty funny. I was listening to this earlier today and like, I've already heard this album and I was going through the tracks again and I went, wait a minute, you two, excuse me. I'm like, I've already heard this so many times, but then that still, still caught can. me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. It's still surprising. Also, I want to comment. I think the, like the pacing of the album is probably the best of a Kendrick album, if that makes sense. I think it speaks a lot to the quality of the pacing that this works backwards and forwards really well. Like both. Right. Ways. Yeah. Like the sequencing's good. I think, I think like, I love how like you have some really slow songs and the hard hitting songs, but they're all spread out properly. I think mm-hmm. like a lot of, I noticed a lot of uh, rap albums will have like, or yeah, maybe it's just albums. You know, like a lot of the bangers are like just in the start. Yeah. Uh, because like they're worried that people stop listening by then. If that makes sense. So they want to get like the cool shit out of the way, but uh, like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty spread out pretty well. So it makes for like a very easy listening experience. You're never like overtired of one sound. I think there's some songs that are a little slow, 
I don't know. I I personally have a tough time listening to lyrics, which like makes it tough listening to Kendrick if that makes sense and truly appreciate what he does. But there's some like I wasn't a per big fan of uh Yaw, third track right after DNA. It felt a little it was it was good, but it was just I, I think the the melody or I don't know what to call it, but just like the because they kept going yeah every few every bar right is part of the the beat if that makes sense. Um, I just found it annoying. I just didn't really like the sound of it. Yaw's kind of weird. I don't. I would say it's one of my. Uh, I don't want to say it's my least favorite, but it's definitely another. It's one of the tracks on the album that I like that I like less than most of them. It's very different from a lot of them because it's it's slower. But in addition to that, like it's very it's very stream of consciousness. Like I should probably go through and just actually read all of these lyrics. But Yah is like, it's the one where he's just sort of talking. And like, Mm. I mean, he's, he's actually mostly singing on this one. It's not even that he doesn't even rap that much on that song in in the context of just the transitions. When you're coming from blood into DNA, he's got that Gerardo Rivera transition where he, and so DNA is, in context kind of feels like he's just like mad at Fox news and talking about how he's mad at Fox news. And then Yah mm. is like, he's calmed down and now he's processing that. That's oh, maybe oversimplifying it, but yeah, but like DNA is very, he's doing a lot of flexing. He's getting a lot of his thoughts out. And then Yah is getting the rest of his thoughts out in more of a stream of consciousness style. That's, that's true. It's, it's, it's almost like, cause he uses a very soft delivery. Like it's almost like he's whispering mm. it to you. Yeah, it, it does feel kind of intimate, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't want to yell out these thoughts. Mm-hmm. So Sorry, just real quick. I think what's really cool about the pacing of this album, just before we move on, is, like, every... It's not exactly, like, switching out per song, but, like, DNA is really fast-paced, really aggressive. Yah is very slow, very mellow. I don't remember Element, but, like, it kind of switches up... Uh, it, it kind of switches almost from song to song, and, like doesn't feel hacky at all it's like it it sort of has those ups and downs very naturally and like yeah as we were talking about like i mean it's just spaced out really well so that you never get bored of one sound before you're onto onto a different one and by the time like there's a song later on i think it might actually be either duckworth or fear that like repeats a few of the bars at least in the beat from dna and Mm -hmm. like by the time that comes around, it's like, oh, that's cool. I remember that. Instead of, okay, we've been doing this for a while now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a cool way of, like, tying it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff which I really liked. Uh, but, yeah, some highlights. I love Element. Well, I mean, I love a lot. It's Element, Feel, Loyalty, Pride, like, the the bass on Pride. I'll always, like, it sounds amazing. Or, no, maybe it's the kick, but it's it's a very, like, relaxing song if that makes sense i don't know it's very sorrowful kind of, and it's almost kind of psychedelic too the, mm-hmm. the little i think it's it might be it's a string it's it might be i think it's a guitar and like tuned up or pitched up but it might be something else um uh, i love love oh i want to talk about feel i love feel in terms of like he keeps going over the thing like i feel this i feel that in the lyrics and i think that's really cool just in like he feels these it's like in therapy when they're like you should say oh i feel this because it's healthier right i feel like you are doing this to me or you are making me feel this way it kind of puts the blame on yourself not the blame on yourself but kind of puts more of the burden on yourself when you're not accusing people of things i can't remember who he's exactly what he's was talking about in the track 
but it, it's kind of it is pretty introspective and he's like reflecting i guess a lot on the state of his life right now mm-hmm. from what i remember so yeah yeah and then like the last three what fear fear is like a really long track too mm-hmm. i don't know how i feel about fear i remember that i really like it but i am blanking on a lot of the specific highlights of songs right now which horrible timing thanks brain but still yeah <laughs> No, it will like I, I just think it's tough like it's tough for me because I, I'm much more of a that's why I like Kanye a lot it's he's a very I, I'm much more of a production person and then if I really like the production I can return to the song a lot and then listen to the vocals right mm-hmm. and get into them whereas okay like I don't think the production is actually like amazing on this I, I think the songs fine. are good but yeah. I don't think like the production isn't anything special which I think kind of holds it back from being as good as to pimp a butterfly if that makes sense because even though these songs are much more catchy and, sh- and and shit it's like i i don't feel like these are sounds i've never like humble isn't a song i've never heard before if that right. makes sense like there, there are a lot of songs similar to humble i say kendrick did it better than a lot of people most people yeah. that do it but like there's nothing new in the production on that so yeah that's why i i kind of have trouble especially with the longer tracks like fear where it's a pretty basic production wise song but it's really long and he's telling i'm pretty sure he's telling a story in it and i just i can't focus on it to be honest i just can't which is too bad but it's like yeah i'd have to listen to it a lot more to like and probably read the lyrics while i'm listening to it to really get it i guess like if this song if this album has a weakness well it's not really a weakness but like kind of the weakness for me and probably it sounds like for you as well is that unlike something like kanye this album is like super lyrical this album sounds really good, but the best parts of it are Kendrick's lyrics and Kendrick's rapping. And so mm. while it's really fun to listen to, that's why after however many times I've listened to it, you know, all relatively recent, I still don't have, I still haven't experienced everything this al- album has to offer because mm. you really do have to go like, this is a book. It's an album too, but like mm. to get the whole thing, you need to, be really paying attention and you need to like actually go through all the lyrics yeah which is a strength in one way but a weakness in others i would say yeah and then create your inter- or your own interpretation from that if that makes sense mm-hmm. as well because yeah i think a lot of people will listen to this album and not well I, yeah i think a lot of people have listened to this album and thought this isn't really that deep of an album and i really think it is but oh, yeah, yeah, it's like it's very much a grower, if that makes sense. It'll, I think, this album will age really, really well, uh, as more people find out. It almost feels disingenuous to say, to to like pretend to, well, not pretend for us to act as if we're recommending or not recommending this album because like this was a huge album and also uh, it won a Pulitzer Prize of all things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to come down on what you just said, but like. <laughs> People know this album is good. Yeah. Well, I guess Pulitzer, the Pulitzer people did. That makes sense. And also, this yeah. is the most mainstream album he's done. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I still listen to, like, I love to pimp a butterfly, but, like, a lot of the songs I don't listen to casually, if that makes sense, because they're very, yeah. they're very grand. And the sound, like, it's an amazing album. Like, the sounds are extremely unique. Mm-hmm. Very grand album. But it's also, like, it's like, I wouldn't want to watch the godfather i've only seen the godfather once it's an amazing movie 
but I don't really feel like watching it like again, at least yeah. right, not right now, right? Whereas like Dam is much more, I think there's a lot, there's some deep stuff in there, but also I think Kendrick really pushed himself to make a more mainstream album that was listenable. And it worked because yeah, a lot, I'd say like what out of this entire, there's 14 songs, I probably list, like I would add like 10 of these to like a playlist like and i would li- i could listen to these every day if that makes sense but like there's a lot of really solid songs and like i hadn't heard the full album before last week but like i've heard humble a million times and i've mm-hmm. heard dna before and i've and this album has a bunch of singles like you don't have to listen to the whole album at once which i don't know if that's the case with the, with the pimp a butterfly but i have gotten the impression that like Kinda. with the pimp a butterfly you really should just listen to the whole album mm-hmm yeah, whereas this, you can easily, I can easily pick a song and be fine with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have to listen to the whole thing. So, so yeah, I think, yeah, Damn was a great album. And I think it really felt almost like a victory lap for Kendrick. And I really wonder what he has next now, because this is the, what, this came out 2017 in the summer, I think? This came out four years ago. Since then, he has, he has another album coming out soon i think like i think he may have released a single but he hasn't like announced mm. anything for sure uh, i'm not even 100 percent sure he's released a single no he hasn't he released some poetry that was like oh okay. kind of referencing the fact that he might release an album by the end of the year or maybe early next year hopefully yeah he did do black panther after this or at least black oh, panther true, released yeah. after this but like yeah. that's the most recent thing he's done yeah, and it wasn't really like I mean it was he curated it, but it wasn't his album, right? So Well, I mean he did perform on a lot of the tracks. He did, yeah. I think he's actually on every track. Like even if it's yeah. like very very little, but he's on every track at least a bit. But yeah, yeah Dam Dam was uh great. And I think this this uh it'll I think it'll just get better uh yeah. as time goes on. Like I it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's aged at all. It is it is relatively unique sounding too. Like he doesn't even though it's like there's some trap influences here, he's not, I guess, going for the most stereotypical trap trap mm-hmm. beats and stuff like that. There's some really interesting sounds here too that like, even though like I, I can't really name a sound for this, this album. Like if you asked me to describe it, I'd almost describe it just like a rap slash pop, pop rap album almost. Because mm-hmm. I think like To Pimp a Butterfly was definitely like, like a, it was like a psychedelic, grandiose, maximalist album, right? Right. I can easily think of it there. But this is like, it's kind of iffy. I don't know. I would honestly say that like, like, yeah, this album is like very stream of consciousness. But like, that doesn't describe the sound at all. That just kind of describes a little bit of the feeling I get when I listen to this whole album front to back. Like, yeah, I don't know that you I don't know that I could cleanly describe the sound of this entire album. Mm hmm. Which is probably for the best. I don't think it necessarily means there's a lot of albums I love where the sound is very all over the place but as long as the themes are cohesive mm-hmm. it's stuff like you say like stream of consciousness introspection kind of quieter um in some ways like it i think it adds yeah. up and makes the album better well and i think like when you can make an album that's all over the place but still but doesn't feel like it's all over the place then like you've won that's what you should mm-hmm. be doing exactly those are really good albums anyway so, yeah I think this is really cool. Uh, so we're about to take a break, but um, this was this is Kendrick's last, so far, most recent album. 
the next time we talk about a Kendrick album, uh, maybe we should just do To Pimp a Butterfly. Because, like, maybe let's just go backwards. Let's see what happens. Yeah, like Duckworth. The... Hell yeah. Yeah. Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. If you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look, looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoom Pod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. Welcome back to Kicking It with Kendrick, where, of course, as you all know, we talk about the filmography of Anna Kendrick. She's got like 36 movies, I think, and um, we're going to try and talk about as many of them as we can, which means we got to start at the beginning. Here's the problem, though. Pierre, you have also seen this movie. Maybe you can guess the problem before I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Her earliest movies... Anna Kendrick was a very, very minor supporting role. I have stuff to say about her. There's just not much because she's barely in these movies. The first movie we're going to talk about, she's in it for five minutes. She's the most memorable part of that movie by far, but she's not in it for long. She's going to be in it for less time than we will talk about her. Yeah. And wait, did we say what the movie was? Camp? No, no, we didn't yet, but yeah, there you go. Camp. (laughs) The movie is Camp. I'm sorry. This is a movie I would never have found out about. If we weren't doing this series, kicking it with Kendrick, where we talk about Anna Kendrick's movies. Yeah, I and I would definitely have never watched this movie. And even if I heard of it, I would never not have watched it. <laughs> even if I heard of it, because uh, the it's not a great looking movie, and it's not I don't know, it's not very interesting. It's a what would you describe as like the vibe of Camp? So I don't really want to be too mean to this movie because. I think the biggest takeaway I got from this movie is that I am not by any stretch of the imagination the target audience for this movie. Camp is a movie about a musical theater camp. And specifically, I think it's based on... I'm I'm looking it up right now. I can't remember exactly what the name of the camp is. Stage Door Manor. There's a camp in New York, in upstate New York, called Stage Door Manor uh, that is a musical theater camp where teenagers go to, um, you know do musical theater essentially (laughs) the interesting thing about stage door manor is uh stage door manor has a bit of a reputation for doing well just productions in general that uh kind of aren't age appropriate (laughs) like in this movie the main scene that we're going to talk about they perform a song from company i believe is what it's called so company is like it's a movie about socialites in manhattan in the 70s and like, it's a really depressing, or not movie, it's a musical. 
it's a really depressing musical that's like about the pain of being 50 i guess and uh these are teenagers performing it so it's not exactly age appropriate which is kind of hilarious if you know the musical theater context but if you don't it makes zero sense so i would say that like this is a movie more than most movies i've ever seen this is a movie that is so dialed into its target audience that I think by nature it alienate it alienates anybody who isn't part of that audience. Yeah, I would agree. I felt very alienated the whole time. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't I would say the vibe is like it's like one of those early two thousands Disney shows mixed with like those like sex ed PSA videos or something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. Okay. Like, like it felt very hopeful, but also everything was shot really poorly. And the pacing was weird and like, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe what I could say is like, imagine Camp Rock, but if the intention of Camp Rock was to be realistic and therefore super awkward instead of fun to watch. Yeah, it was very awkward, which I guess is the point. They yeah. actually tackle some surprisingly mature themes in this. It's pretty interesting because... um I would not describe this movie as an explicitly gay movie necessarily, but like mm-hmm. it's, it came out around the same time as American pie and mm-hmm. where they're both high school movies. This movie actually tackles its themes intelligently and with care where like American mm-hmm. pie is a sex comedy. And this mm-hmm. has like, this legit shows not to like get into sadness porn, but this, one of the first scenes in this is a guy, one of the main characters cross-dressing for his prom and getting beat up for it because that's not a, I guess, in quotes, cool thing to do. Yeah. And like, it's, That was a very confusing first scene too. I didn't know what was going on. It kept it, cutting back and forth. Yeah. The first scene introduces all the characters and there's a lot going on there. And I honestly don't think it's uh, communicated as well as it could be because- the character that I'm talking about is played by Robin to Jesus. I think that's what his name mm-hmm. is. I do not know how to pronounce it. It may be Robin de he- uh, Robin de Jesus. I'm not sure. But anyway, he went on to become a very, very prolific Broadway actor. Uh, and he does it he does this really well. Like his character is probably like one of the main supporting characters of this movie. And like it's a very good portrayal of or at least a very respectful portrayal of like, a teenager uh, around that age sort of like coming to terms with his sexuality, but not really, I don't know, trying, trying to figure it out himself. And like, there's, it's, it's, it's a good portrayal of that. This movie is very respectful to its themes. Yeah. Which honestly, like this, this is an early two thousands movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the vibe was at the time, but from what I can tell you, not even like the gay community was that well ex- accepted at least, at least for like, um, younger people, I think. I can tell you uh, that growing up in Nebraska around that time, people were not friendly to the idea of gay people. I don't necessarily, yeah. I don't know that I knew any growing up because straight up, if I did, they probably didn't say. But, um, yeah. you know, no, it was pretty stigmatized. It was not exactly a very hospitable environment. America at that time was not exactly hospitable to gay people in general. Yeah, which is crazy that I think it's it's tackling the themes of transphobia so so ahead of its 
time if that makes sense like it feels like pretty yeah pretty early that well that was it was it just cross-dressing or did I, they, I think it was just cross-dressing it they, it's hard to say if it was more because like i said i think that character is i think the point of that care of robin's character is that he's really struggling with his sexuality so it's possible okay. it could be more than that I don't think it explicitly is stated to be more than that within the movie. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, either way, I think I think this is surprisingly from the quality and like the time, it's surprisingly mature in terms of ta- trying to tackle a topic like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm surprised that like I guess a studio would approve this. Well, I don't know which studio was this like a big movie was it a, no this it was feel like a tv movie this was very much an indie movie but it did get a theatrical yeah. release okay it was done by killer films that's the production company which that's uh it's well known for producing some like major indie movies but like yeah. indie movies that would have been that like you would never expect to get a yeah. wide release okay. even though many of them did but like none of them that i'm seeing on this list did well in their wide release. Pretty ballsy, I guess. Relatively ballsy too. Yeah. For this movie. Oh, I do just want to say too, like, as much as this movie did not resonate with me, there there are people who love this movie. I uh, I watched this movie with one person who did actually go to musical theater camp. And I don't know if she necessarily loved this movie, but she was like, yes, this is very accurate. So like, if you went to musical theater camp, and you remember, and you have fond memories of musical theater camp. I think this will remind you of that, mm-hmm. and you'll love this movie. If not, yeah. I honestly, straight up, don't think this movie's for you because it wasn't for me. Yeah. Even though I think it is like well made for what it is. Uh, yeah, sure. I guess yeah. Like, well like I said, well made for what it is. I think that um, yeah, yeah. My biggest problem with this is, to me, it came across like a Christopher Guest documentary or mockumentary, like um, mm-hmm. uh, like Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, etc. Except it wasn't nearly as funny and like it didn't have the 30 years of experience that Christopher Guest has behind the camera. So yeah, like this could have been used here. This, this is definitely, this is definitely a movie made by someone who was very passionate about telling the story and did so well enough. I think that it's got the, it, it definitely feels like a first movie. I don't know if it is his first movie, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it definitely felt like it, which is fine. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think it was, like, I don't know. I, when I was watching, I, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I wonder what could be fixed to make it better. Mm-hmm. It, it just, yeah, it didn't feel like a movie for me, which makes it kind of hard to judge because, yeah, it's just like, very unique if that makes sense i will say like what did you think of the acting i guess if you want to get closer to it was was functional like Like, these were (laughs) most these were mostly first-time actors and like in general they were fine i don't think there was anyone that i would there was no performance in this that i would call a bad performance at the same time there's exactly two that i would call good performances and who are they uh so robin de jesus as i've already said Mm -hmm. and anna kendrick Anna Kendrick is awesome in this, even though she has, like like I said, five minutes. They are the most memorable five minutes of that movie, and she straight up got nominated for awards for those five minutes. Wait, actually? Yeah. She was nominated for uh, Best Debut Performance at the 19th Independent Spirit Awards. Wow. Well, she did have a very... 
Like, okay, I, I I found it a hard time judging her because I know it's Anne McKendrick, so I, I feel like I'm already, like, biased towards, like, recognizing her. Right. Um, and stuff like that. But, like, I, yeah, I thought she was pretty good. Very Anna... I think Anna Kendrick has a very natural charisma to her. Mm-hmm. And, like, she feels like a very relatable character, if that makes sense. And then, like, in this, she has a very simple but cute arc of kind of what being a servant to the popular kids she's the girl who desperately wants to be the popular girl's best friend like desperate to the point of kind of creepy obsession actually yeah creepy like she would do all her chores for her right and like keep her room basically her assistant yeah so yeah so that arc of you know, we see her like that pretty early in the movie. I and mean, we don't visit her that much, but then like seeing her, I guess, gain the confidence to to sing, right? Was like, and take over the role was like kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, throughout the movie... being rejected by the cool kids. Sorry. Yeah, through the movie, she basically like... It's been a while since I watched this movie. I think there may have been earlier on, like she wanted one role, but then she immediately reneged on it when the cool girl wanted it instead. And, like, she, she'll she brutally take down anybody who even, like, looked at the cool girl the wrong way. But yeah. eventually, <laughs> like, eventually, what is the cool girl's name? Jill. Uh, eventually, Jill, like, she sees Anna Kendrick's character, Fritzy, washing her underwear in the sink. And is like, I think we need some time apart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, too much. And, like... Found that a little weird. She's right. That was super weird. And like, yes, that is a let's break up moment, especially just mm-hmm. at camp like that. But like the way that Fritzy reacts, just that kind of minor rejection is so embarrassing for her that she like puts cleaning solution into Jill's drink and makes her vomit during her stage performance. <laughs> just a to... little bit of an overreaction. Kind of like could have potentially killed her. Yeah. And then she performs, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, this song about being a 70s socialite or a 50s socialite in 70s Manhattan, I think is how Anna Kendrick describes it in her uh, in her memoir. But yeah, I honestly, like overall, even like the bad acting, I think it honestly kind of adds to the, uh, the vibe of it. Because mm-hmm. I guess... You can argue that, like, like some of these scenes, some of these love scenes were, like, so hard to watch, right? But, like, also kind of realistic in terms of, like, these are teenagers at camp. <laughs> like, every romantic, like, interaction they're going to have is going to be extremely awkward to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was almost, like, very cool to have a, a realistic, un, un-Hollywoodized look at how people actually communicate before they like when they have a crush at camp or whatever well i think that's uh that's why i say like there's nothing in the there's no performance in this movie i would call bad because all of the performances even if they're not that great are like very authentic because what they did like the behind the scenes of this they literally took some aspiring actors and took them to this musical theater camp yes they had a script and everything this wasn't filmed as a documentary but like they're literally there at a musical theater camp camping out for a couple of weeks and filming all their scenes. So it was, it's as close to authentic as you can get. And I think everyone portrays that very well. Yeah. What did you think of the the teacher? 
the teacher. Uh, I think his name's is it the actor Don Burt? Burt Hanley. Am I thinking of the right guy? Burt Hanley was the name. His name in in the name of the character. His yeah. uh, the actor was Don Dixon. Um, he was fine. He, well, he he was definitely one of the older cast members. Yeah. Obviously. So he was more experienced. There was some intense parts with him too. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to say because he was um his plot line revolved mostly around the actual main character of this movie who we haven't talked about much and who I don't think I'm going to talk about much. Uh, a guy named Vlad Bauman, that's the name of his character, but he's the only straight guy at the uh, at the musical theater camp and like mm-hmm. He's kind of a piece of shit, and I don't like him very much. But like, and like, he's got a fine character. He's he's got a fine plot line, I guess. But because I thought it was overall one of the weaker plot lines, it's kind of the one I forgot. Because like, even though it's like the main character. Well, it is, but like, well, he's the main character, and like, when I compared this to American Pie earlier, he's the only plot line that you could like realistically compare the two with. Not that his plotline is American Pie-esque, but he's the one who's like, he's a high school student and he's going to musical theater camp and he's getting in romantic sexual shenanigans. And like, it's not nearly as funny as it sounds. In fact, it's kind of shitty. But that's the plotline that's like recognizable and honestly kind of forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a plotline ripped from a movie like American Pie. Yeah. But when you put it in this movie, it just feels really weird because of the some of the heavy subject matter that they are well, and what's kind of poorly capturing. What's kind of interesting with him is like, even though he's the main character of this, he kind of serves as every single character's antagonist because mm-hmm. he's not he sucks towards Jill, but Jill sucks towards everyone. So like that's not a surprise. But like the the uh the main character that he's involved with is a character named Ellen who mm-hmm. i don't think she's like fighting with her sexuality or anything but like she has huge self esteem issues and like he doesn't like her very much he's she's just his like camp fling and then there's Robin to Jesus whose character has a bit of a crush on this guy and Vlad reciprocates that enough to like be shitty towards him too. And then I'm I'm blanking on it. I think D. There's another character who's probably like the best singer at the camp. Um mm-hmm. and like she uh, Vlad like hunts her down just so that he can have sex with her too while she's at the camp. Oh god. It's like yeah. he's horny and shitty. <laughs> yeah, that's his character. I, I guess maybe they they marketed him as the main character just because like he's he was probably the most like relate maybe the most relatable character at the time like the stereotypical male straight protagonist so they were like okay this guy we can really put at the forefront of this movie yeah um, I, I think the interesting thing about him is that like he serves to kind of make everyone else's plot lines a little bit better by being a villain to everyone even if the movie doesn't necessarily intend him as a villain yeah i think i think it helped to have that even because it was very much this was like on an ensemble cast if that mean like 
It's an ensemble really of people wise. that no one's ever heard of at the time. Yeah, that's why it's like sorry, I was doing ensemble with my air quotes because like, yeah, it's a it's a big cast, but no one, none of these people are famous. So yeah, it's a uh, which is probably for the best. I think if they focus on one one of these characters too long, I think the acting would have really suffered. Mm-hmm. And she also did these. Okay, did these actors look like they were kids? I don't know if I'm biased. Like, did everyone in the 2000s just look older for some reason? Um, but like to me, they looked a little too old in some of these scenes. I can't remember though. They were all very young. Like Anna Kendrick is oh, okay. 16 in this. Oh, oh yeah, Anna Kendrick did look pretty. Well, Anna, Anna Kendrick was it's, also maybe it's the styling. Like, oh yeah, she still looks really young. Um, but like, yeah, maybe that was it too. Like the the style, because I remember watching Spider Man around the same time, and all those characters looked. I mean, I think a lot of them were too old but none of them look like they were supposed to be in high school if that makes sense so and i kind of picked that vibe up a bit here robin de jesus in this was about 20 i think he was 18 or 19 oh okay so and he's supposed to be 16 in this movie i'm gonna assume everyone is supposed to be roughly 16 everyone? in this movie okay whoa dude danny devito produced this <laughs> yeah that's hilarious well before we wrap up talking about this movie, my favorite scene in this movie is uh, right after Anna Kendrick's character, Fritzy, poisons Jill. She like, Jill is doing very bad on, on stage and Anna Kendrick's, uh, and Fritzy comes in com- dressed up entirely, exactly like Jill is, like exactly like Jill's character, wig, makeup, everything. She comes in yeah. and uh, there's, there's Bert, thinking about canceling the show and he sees Fritzy come in. He's like, what the hell? And she's like, Oh, well I knew you guys would be talking about canceling the show. So I just figured I'd give you an alternative, which is really funny to me because she has heard none of the conversation so far and just comes in ready to go. Not so I mean, at all. it's clearly the joke, but I think it's a really well executed joke. Maybe. I think my favorite scene was, I was really surprised to see, I think the guy was talking about OCD, right? He had OCD or something. Uh, which one? Uh, oh man, I can't remember. Robin I think it was the main character, actually. Uh, one of them did. You, they were on right. like they were they were talking together on like bleachers or something. That I think it was Vlad. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was talking to the the cross the person that liked to cross dress about how he he has trouble with OCD. I thought that was also like kind of a cool. I've never. I don't think I've seen OCD like discussed on it's, screen before if that makes sense it's very rare that it gets even brought up yeah. in movies so, so i really like that scene um i thought that was really cool yeah. yeah i guess like that's the best thing about this movie is like it does actually tackle some heavy topics and even if it doesn't necessarily nail it every time it's respectful to them because because like it doesn't say much about ocd right but it's like hey this is a thing that exists and people suffer from it which, you know, yeah. is more than almost any other movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was that was cool. Yeah, and you're right. It is respectable. And I think it, it does, even though it's not a great movie, it does, this movie really does stick out, mm-hmm. I think, because of that. Especially just the juxtaposition, you know. Because this, this definitely feels like a movie that, like, you, like would have been, could have been, like, Camp Rock or American Pie. But yeah. really created, like, its own thing entirely. Yeah. Like, very awkward and slow but deep like introspective movie if i if it was 2003 
and I was me right now, as old as I currently am, and I saw American Pie, Camp Rock, and this, this is the one that I think I would call the good one, but American yeah. Pie is the one I would remember five years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to say it. Um, um, are we are we rating the are we gonna rate the movie in Anna Kendrick like we did with Leo or um I think I think yes but like with Leo we did like a big ranking um we should probably do that here too but we can't rank them yet since we only have one movie there's only one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like what how would you uh, uh how would you rate Anna Kendrick specifically in this you don't e- even if you want to say something this is tough I guess just like. I don't know a, a seven. I, I want to say five is average, but like I, I does it does feel like I'm pretty sure she has screen presence despite you know not being on the screen that long. Uh, it was cool to see her sing, like I guess it was the first time she sung on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first movie, so yeah, and uh, I thought that's cool. So yeah, it's a good, good starter, and it, it's cool to see how Emma Kendrick will grow in in the years after this because of this movie, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably rate her similarly. I want to say, I actually want to say like an eight, but like when we compare this to later performances, I'm sure this will not be among the best because there's just, there's just very little here. But I do think personally, I think she was one of the standouts of this movie, if not the standout. And like, I mean, I'm already excited to go through her entire filmography, but it's going to be interesting to see like how she evolves as an actress starting with this movie yeah solid start and i will place this first on my list of anna kendrick movies in the series that are to be seen well i guess we'll see everybody next week for uh the next one